I, I want to just add one thing to that. Thank you about the funeral lunch. You guys, how many guys were here Educator Sunday? Or we told them, listen, if you guys need anything, like we're here for you. You don't have to attend this church. You need anything, let us know. That, that invitation to, to help was uh, taken up. And how many of you guys know we're honored to be a part of the educational system, right? To help our teachers and to have a, a loved one pass away is hard enough. But then to have people like you say, well, we'll take care. Well, here's our building. We'll host it. Here's desserts. Here's coffee. Here's how many of you guys know that the word in the Greek uh, for comfort is the word mastacholi? Did you know that? And so there was all that comfort, you know, and, and great, great comfort is mastacholi uh, with cheese on top. Mozzarella is the other name for comfort. So wonderful stuff. Thank you for doing that. Just before we get in the Word today, I, I want to just take a, a family minute, if we can. Many of you got the, the email this last week, but if you hadn't, um, Pastor Avery, who has served with us as our children's pastor and his wife and their girls, um, this last week we had some honest, wonderful conversations. How many of you guys know that honesty is always the best? right? So he came, he said, let me be honest. We talked about things, and what's the best way to do this? How many of you guys know that the church's role is never to punish? Uh, sometimes discipline's part of it, but the question we're asking is, what's best? Does that make sense? What's the best thing? And what we felt was best, and we all agreed on this, was that Pastor Avery and his family would no longer serve on the staff in this season, but they would be stepping back because what was best was a season that they needed to, uh, to get things, you know, where, where, they, where everybody wants their life to be. So um, people say, well, what happened? Well, I'm, I'm not going to tell you. And do you know why I'm not going to tell you? Because it's best. It's, it's, it's best. It's best for them that we create an environment where they can remain a part of the spiritual family. And so, I don't know, I, I suppose we could have a bulletin board and we could all put our junk up there. But I think that's not best. So, uh, we love the Marshkey family. Amen? I don't know if they're watching right now. They will soon, but we love those guys. We love you guys. And we are your spiritual family. And we will do everything we can to serve, to protect, to surround, um, to love. Why? Because it's... It's best, yeah. So, Father, we thank you right now, God, for, for Avery and Alyssa and the girls. We thank you for the ministry. The sermons, like, they were the first ones. Our kids' eyes opened spiritually when they told the gospel. There's an anointing on their life, and we're grateful for them. In this season, God, we pray for what is best. We pray, God, that foundations that cannot be shaken would be built. We pray, God, for, for bonds that, that can never be broken, God, would be established. We pray, Lord Jesus, for everything from financial provision and friendship. And God, let the whole gamut of the body of Christ surround. If I broke my arm and someone threw a football at me, my entire body would pivot to protect the one wounded part. So this body pivots, God, in this time to create an environment where everybody's safe because that's what's best. Love is the costly, committed, and consistent choice to do what is best. And so we choose what is best now. And we thank you. Bless them now, we pray. Open doors, close them. May this be an amazing adventure, and they will stand right where I'm standing right now and tell the story of redemption and love and grace and community, God. And we just, we thank you for the good things you're cooking. We can smell it. We can smell you bacon, and uh, we, we just love it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Open your Bibles this morning to Luke chapter 10. You guys still here? If not, may thunder and lightning strike when I move my leg. What's funny is I did have Mexican food yesterday, but I don't think that's what's going to just... Okay, is that better? 
All right, we should get ready with another mic just in case sound people. All right, um, we've been dealing with the, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Today, we're going to get to what I really believe Jesus was talking about. Uh, I've had so many people today say, man, last week's sermon was so powerful. I'm like, it was, it was rated R. <laughs> it was scary. We're, we're stepping on people's skulls, and we're breaking ribs, and there's urine. And people are like, yeah. Like, I don't know if you guys want WWF church every week. I get that. Um, Mr. Jones probably would, but, but I don't. So I'm going to read you the parable of the Good Samaritan. I think as we read it through it one more time, we're going to see things that we didn't see three weeks ago when we started this. But here we go. You ready? On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to be positioned to receive the gift to inherit without effort, through relationship, eternal life? Well, what's written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Bingo, you've answered correctly. How many of you guys know bingo is the King Jim translation? You got that, right? Jesus replied, do this and you're going to live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And in reply, Jesus told him the parable of the Good Samaritan. In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes. They beat him. And then they went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side, and so too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, stopped the bleeding, poured on oil and wine, marinated him for later consumption. I really don't know what it is. Somebody study that and tell me, so I don't have to say that anymore. And then he put that man unconscious on his donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two days' wages and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Now, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? Well, the expert in the law said, it it has to be the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus said, yeah, now go and do likewise. Here's the question of the day question I, I seldom hear even discussed, but I think this is, this is the entire parable, the entire why it's in Scripture is based on one word. And, and here's the question of the day. What made the good Samaritan good? Now, if I were to tell you a more relevant or, or a, a more contemporary version, there's a man as he went down the road, fell in the hand of robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, they beat him, they left him half naked. When, when a, a pastor came by, he passed on the other side of the road. When a, I don't know, a, a Catholic priest or an Orthodox, you know, Greek Orthodox rabbi or whatever came by, they went by on the other side of the road. But when the Taliban member, when, when the ISIS terrorist... When whatever group it is you're most afraid of, therefore you hate the most, whatever, it might be a skin color, it might be a race, it might be where they live in Appalachia, it might be in Los Angeles, it might be, you know, they, they're the up and outers that eat at the laundry and everyone else isn't allowed to go to McDonald's, it might be the, this political group, that, but when that guy that we all hate, even though we don't, but it feels like it on social media, when he comes by, he becomes a good guy. So listen to this, I don't think Jesus' point is that all priests and Levites are bad, did you get that? His point is like, yeah, those religious guys are terrible. I don't think Jesus is saying that. Jesus actually, and Paul and John and Peter, they have respect for the priesthood. They, like Paul says something, and, and he's ordered, you know, bam, he gets his, his face slapped. And, and so Paul goes, you whitewashed tomb. You ordered him. He goes, how dare you speak to the high priest? He said, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know you were the high priest. 
How many guys know that, that the Bible's not against ecclesiastical authority, then or now? But why is it he makes the bad guy the good guy and the good guys the bad guys? I think it's because he's trying to strip everything down to the basics. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what your position is. It doesn't matter what you've done, how you've offended, how you've blessed, how you're honored, how you're cursed. What matters is these are just folk. These are people. So Jesus is compelling, he's exposing this compelling force behind what's truly making a good person good. So again, why is the good Samaritan? What made the good Samaritan good? Let me read this to you. Look at this. A priest, this is the priest's account. He's not good. We know that, right? So when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. Jesus, in the story, does not give the priest something in the story. He gives to the Samaritan, which is the cornerstone of this whole parable. Are you still here? A Levite saw him pass by on the other side. As Jesus tells the story, the Levite did not have something that the Samaritan did that made the Samaritan good. A Samaritan, Jesus says, and when he saw him, he what? This is the cornerstone. This is the linchpin of this. There, there, was, there was a hardness, there was a dullness, there was a disconnect, but in the Samaritan's heart, there was a connection. Something happened. He took pity. I'm gonna teach you a Greek word, and it's a terrible one. You have to clear your throat when you say it, but like Ephesians 1.11, which you've all memorized by now, first in Christ that we discover, and I love it. Yeah, you guys have the 18 different versions, but who we are and what we're supposed to do, right? This is the word splach nitsomai, and if you don't have a small dog in your home that you're going to have to name someday, may I suggest splach nitsomai, because if there's a German short-haired terrier name that fits better than splach nitsomai, you can just call him, hey, Splach! You have to clear your throat. Splach Nizomai. What is Splach Nizomai? We get the word Splach Nizomai is, is a three compound word that puts together a picture. It's a picture language. That's why I really appreciate Greek and Hebrew, is they form pictures with words rather than just words with words. So, Splach, we get our modern word spleen. So, the internal, the innards, the guts, the, the bowels, the, the, what we get the word spleen from. Uh, Ni is like, uh, and zomai would be like the I-O-N in Latin. So, it doesn't matter. It's the process of, you ready? The churning of your innards. How many of you guys ate at that Mexican restaurant yesterday too? You know what I'm talking about. The process of, that better be Jesus calling, the process of the churning of your innards. So when the, when the Samaritan sees him, there's a reaction. Everybody say reaction. Yes. You, you got to get this. The, the Levite has no reaction. I don't know why. I don't even care to know why. I can, we can all speculate, well, he was just religious. Well, he, you know, he's, he, didn't have his, he didn't have Brazilian jiu-jitsu, so he couldn't wrestle the five robbers. He didn't, I, we don't know why, and I don't think it's even germane to the conversation of the parable. The reason the Good Samaritan is good is because when he saw him, something inside of him went, <gasps> literally, that, that churning of the bowels. Have you ever seen, let me, let me just set up a scene for you. There's a child, oh, what would be good? I have to make this up on the spot, but we're going to hurt a kid in the story, so give me a minute, right? There's, there's a lawnmower <laughs> that's going down. It's still running. The guy turned around, do something. The lawnmower starts to go down the hill, and there's a baby. No, no. There's a basket of puppies because baby's just too cruel. Basket of puppies. No. There's a, there's a cat. Let's just do a cat so we can all get over this. And the cat's back is turned to the lawnmower. And you're watching as the lawnmower is picking up speed and starting to bounce. And the cat is just sitting there, you know, licking itself because it's, it's obnoxious and conceited and it deserves to die. Let's make it puppies again. It's a, it's a basket of puppies. It's a basket of puppies. Nobody can be against a basket of puppies. 
So, can we make it 10 cats? It'd be more fun. It's just 10 cats. It's just right. Is it a mulching mower or a discharge? I'm trying to picture. Anyway, and, and you see this accident, this tragedy, this painful, agonizing, and you go, <gasps> why? Because there's something inside your, your body's adrenalizing. Your, your, God has given you this, this juice for this moment. Your body is programmed the way your brain tells your spleen, tells your pancreas, tells your adrenal gland, tells your, and you feel this rush of, oh no, and all of a sudden you're superhuman because you see something painful that hasn't even happened yet. And you suddenly bound. The old people are laughing, the young people are like, what's so funny? I tell you, but it's going to cost you $6 million. And he's running to the lee of this, and it's major, and it's and you grab the puppies and you roll out of the way, and it hits the cat, and everybody's happy. That's blachnisomai with sarcasm mixed together. To put it another way, because we need to. Well. Went the wrong way, sorry. To put it another way, um, splagnisomai is feeling personally someone else's emotional, physical, or spiritual need as if it were your own. Now remember this. What's the question? And Jesus, who's my neighbor? Jesus says, there was a man, right? Splagnisomai. Who is my neighbor? And what he's saying is this. Your neighbor is someone who needs what you have or who you are to meet their need. I mean, I just want to talk about ground-up cats again. Like, that's heavy. Jesus is saying, your neighbor is someone who needs you. So thanks for coming to church today. Your neighbor is someone who needs you. And, and here's the summation of that. It's, it's feeling personally what someone else is going through and doing something about it. That's what Jesus is calling loving your neighbor as yourself. What does it mean? And who is my neighbor? Jesus says, the, the person that is your neighbor is the person for whose heart is, you're moved. The, the ancients believed the bowels were the center, so you were moved, like the bowels of compassion. You ever heard that phrase? My bowels were moved with compassion, right? We, we, we I think, have generalized it now to be the heart. You know, that, how many guys know that it, it, line dancing to my achy, breaky bowels probably would not have been a romantic moment? <laughs> And if you break my bowels, my achy, breaky bowels. This is like, I'm glad we changed it to heart. How about you, right? The center of life, right? Versus the center of digestion. But you don't feel it in your heart. You feel it in your guts. True? You go, oh, that's not your heart. That's your, that's your guts. That's your splach. That's your spleen, right? So Jesus is saying, the person that is your neighbor, please get this, please get this. The person that is your neighbor is the person with whom you identify that's in pain or in need that you have the ability to resolve. That's your neighbor. People that just went to West Virginia just got a bunch of new neighbors. Because it's not statistics. It's Keith. It's, it's not um, a county that went from 150,000 people to 14,000 people. It's Pastor Charlie. And every third house has a widow in it whose husband died in the coal mine. And they won't leave and their house is caving in. They, they've, they've suddenly adopted a bunch of new neighbors. Why? Because they saw, they stopped, and they're serving. This makes sense? This is why we're like, let's just stay home, man. Let's just turn off the TV, not watch the news, not because Ukraine and the need and the poverty. What about the recession? What about the upcoming midterm elections? I know, because politicians solve everything. So let's follow them some more. 
Yeah, we need a revival of politics in America. We need a revival of neighbors in America that love Jesus, that will reach across the street. And, and yes, we need to vote. We're Americans. That's a wonderful right, is it not? But I can't remember the last time I voted and felt like I changed anything. But I can't remember the last time I stopped to help somebody and changed everything. And in this calling of who is my neighbor, it's the next person we meet that has a need that touches us in some way that's undeniable. And instead of ignoring it, we embrace it and we give to it. We serve it. We love it. We give our time to it, our heart to it. Are you still here? You getting this? Now, I want you to understand this. Jesus is not saying every need is your problem. If that were the case, how many guys know we'd all just quit? Well, thank you for playing. <laughs> you know, every need everywhere. Okay. Don't be depressed, though. It's going to be all right. No, it's not. I'm going to die with more needs being unmet than met. So it isn't that. Please hear me. This is not, you know, for just $18 a month, the shivering dog in the arms of the angel far away from me. I mean, no, dogs don't cry. It's an eye infection, not a tear. The arms of the angel. We can spay or neuter the dog. The dog's like, you know, I, Bob Barker's my enemy. Again, a lot of old people jokes today. I'm kind of tired, right? And, and just to prove this to you, just so you know, Jesus didn't heal everybody. Now, at Capernaum, everybody's healed, everybody's saved, everybody's delivered. you see that? But when he's at the pool of Bethesda, there's, there's people that are in various conditions where they were just laid there waiting for something to happen that would heal them. And he walks up to one man who'd been crippled for 38 years, and he says, you know, what do you want? He goes, I, I want to be healed, but I can't get in the pool, and I just, nothing's working. He said, then get up. Get up and be healed. How, how many of you know, the guy got up, grabbed his mat, and went home, but the rest of the 200 people that are around that pool stayed on their mats. So I, I want you to know something. And you got to hear this. I don't want to create this dynamic where you better take care of everything and everyone because that's your responsibility. No, but something is. How do I know it's my responsibility? What breaks your heart? Or what we say around here, what's your pain? What's something that uniquely affects you in a negative way? And you see it, you're like, oh, it just bothers me. Some of us go sex trafficking. Wow, that's bad. Others go sex trafficking. I need to dedicate my life to getting one kid out of that. What's the difference? Pain. One, one was moved by a broken heart. And I, let's, let's review what a broken heart probably is. A broken heart is when God's heart, who is broken for his children that he loves, he takes a portion of that and he walks over to somebody and he opens their eyes in a way to see something that only he has seen. And they go, that man's laying by the road. Somebody should do something about that. And I'm here to tell you guys, you say, well, boy, I got a lot going on, not much time, not much money, not much, I'm no good, I'm too old, I'm too young, I can't speak, I blew up my own family, how am I supposed to help somebody else's kids? I, stop. I don't know why those guys didn't stop, but I bet you that was their excuses. If it's breaking your heart, I want to ask you, how is it you can harden your heart to every other need in the world but that one? Is it possible that is not just, I mean, there's, there's bad pain, do we agree? Then there's good pain. Go to a gym. Oh, pain is just weakness leaving the body. Blah, 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 blah. No, cheeseburgers are getting the pain of hunger. That's, that's weakness leaving the body, right? But then there's another pain that's not just good. It's God pain. And we do ourselves and the kingdom of God a tremendous disservice. A tremendous disservice when we don't stop when it's our turn and meet the need that was uniquely a gift from God for us to meet. But it's overwhelming. Yeah. I don't have it. I know what am I supposed to, 
Jesus. Yeah, it's supposed to be overwhelming. Do you think I walk up every Sunday and like, I got this. (laughs) If I ever did, you would be the first to know. I walk up every day and say, God, I have no idea what's happening in people's lives. And if you don't show up, then I I could probably sell insurance. I've been selling assurance now for 40 years. Why not? Why not insurance? I've been giving it away, by the way. You are responsible for the condition of your heart. I I know I've belabored this, but I think that's it right there. Splot nizomai, compassion, pity, empathy. It's It's a feeling. We're connected to it. Feeling personally what someone else is going through and doing something about it is what Jesus defines as loving your neighbor as yourself. Take a picture of the screen and put it on your social media. Like, that's it. Well, what about this need? That's not my need. What about that cause? It's not my cause. Every need and every cause is not my need or my cause. Can I liberate you? Everything that's going on is not your problem. But I got to believe that something is. I got to believe that someone is. I got to believe that somewhere is. And when we embrace that, we're richer for having embraced the pain because the pain motivates us to do something. You're responsible for your heart, the condition of it, and what it feels and doesn't feel. Why did, why did the Samaritan's heart break for this man when others didn't? I don't know. Let's make him an answer. He may have been a victim of the exact same thing. And if he did, how many of you guys know that's why he stopped? You know who best ministers to people that are going through hell? People that have been through hell because they know the way out. And, and they feel a certain pain. I remember I, I used to do these school assemblies. I don't know, what, 20, Pastor Jason, 20, 30,000 kids in the public schools were doing the school assembly called Chasing the Dragon. And people say, well, you know what? Addicts should just stop doing it. I'm like, okay, let's do an experiment. Because everybody in this room is an addict. It's Grand Blanc High School. Take a good deep breath. Let it out. Take another good deep breath. Hold it. And don't let it out until I tell you you can. Ten seconds later, half the room's already cheated. Too hard. I said, right now what you're experiencing is that that sense of, of panic, your, your mind's going, hey, wait a minute, where's the air? Hey, I, I, I can't breathe. Hey, I, we're, we're only 20 seconds into it, and three quarters, you've already quit because it was too hard because you have a need for air. I said, if I were to tell you to hold it, if I were to hold my hand and just hold you down, what would you do to me so you could breathe again? Would you mug an old lady? Would you rob out of your mom's purse? Like, listen to me, guys. The, the best thing that an addict can do is teach people who aren't addicts they don't want to be addicts and to help addicts through addiction. Because we learn how to breathe again. I'm just telling you this. That, that thought of, well, they should just quit or they should, just, they should have never done it. Well, it's their responsibility. He was walking alone on the road. It doesn't help anybody. What helps everybody is if somebody will engage their pain and do something about what's killing them. Years ago, oh, my mom's here. God bless you. <laughs> I'm sorry, who it was. Um, years ago, I had somebody walk, and I remember, burned out, three services, led worship all three services, I'm exhausted, it's Monday, I don't like me, let alone you. And it's six o'clock in the morning, I go to the office for the reason of getting away from people. I don't want to get the kids off to school, I, I just want coffee and peace and quiet. I, want, I used to lay on top, right over here where this corner is, before this building was here, I, I used to park the blue and white uh, church bus, I'd lay on top of it and hide behind the pavilion that was here so no one could find me. And when I did that, there was a knock on the door. Bop, 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 bop. I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. I'm a pastor. Who is it? I want to kill you. Hey, go down the hill. I'm going to push a lawnmower at you. <laughs> you know? Hey, how's it going, buddy? I just, I've been delivering papers all night. I've been drinking 14 cups of coffee. It's going to be wonderful. I just, I just stop. You know? 
I said, what are you doing here? He said, oh, I just, I was leaving church yesterday and I noticed a bunch of trash along the building. These used to be like rocks and arborvitaes and just full of trash. All the snow's melted now and just, I just want to clean it up. And I'm like, okay. Hey, man, sorry I didn't clean it up. I saw it too, but I've just been really busy and I, you know, just, I, I hadn't gotten around to it. He looks at me like I was crazy. What are you doing? I said, well, I'm, I'm explaining to you why I hadn't done it. He goes, why would you do it? Uh, I don't know. Keep talking. Because everything around here feels like it's my responsibility. You're telling me it's not. So, he said, it bothered, listen to me, it bothered me so much that I decided to come early and that I would clean up the mess because it bothered me. He said, preacher, you got to let people do something about what bothers them. I'm like, keep talking. He said, if I do something that bothers me and you do something that bothers you and we all around here start doing the stuff about the stuff that bothers us, I can see a day where there won't be anything left to bother anyone. Art Romska taught me that. Art Romska taught me that. Can I ask you a question? And, and piano girl, join me. Who needs you? This is like, who needs you? No, no, who? Who needs you? And, and I don't know the answer to this, and it would be really hard for me to kind of say, you know, what about this or what about that, even though I'm going to do it in just a minute. Who needs you? Who has what you, who, who needs what you have? Who, who doesn't know what you do? Who's hurting in a way that you've been through? What is breaking your heart? What needs are we pushing to the side because the, the tyranny of the urgent, getting the kids to soccer practice and ballet practice and t-ball practice and back to school and got to buy the backpacks, right? and grandparents. Okay, back to the kids again. Here we go, right? But hear me. At the end of our lives, how many of you know, we, we want to have a few things that we've done for the Lord, even though it cost us something, even though it was inconvenient. Um, Let's, let's, just, let's just do this. I want to tell you another parable. Can I tell you another parable? You guys doing good? Okay. Our students were going down from 2020 to 2022 and they fell in the hands of robbers. They were kids who hadn't been to school yet and they tried to learn how to read on an iPad. They were teenagers in their senior year and there was no graduation party. There was, they, were, they were supposed to learn how to drive, but the driver's ed was canceled. Their mom and dad stayed home. The problem was mom and dad didn't like each other. Her dad took off during that time. Her mom checked out during that time. They fell in the hands of robbers. Those robbers, cultural things, they stripped them of their stability. They beat them with godless lies. They threw them into a global pandemic with all the political stuff that went with it. They isolated them for two years, divided them into angry tribes, and left them struggling with issues no generation of Americans have ever faced before. Just a thought. Anybody, anybody ever been through elementary school? Can I see your hand? Anybody ever, do you remember what it was like? Anybody ever been through junior high? I had someone tell me recently, I feel like my calling is junior high ministry. I'm like, oh, it is. Because nobody says that. If you believe your calling is junior high, it is. I, I, give your probation officer my name. I will, I will help you through this process. Like, it is, it is you know. Anybody ever been through high school? Most of it? How many guys like 11th grade was the best three years of your life? <laughs> Others, it was really hard, you know? And, and guys, this is not, this whole sermon series hasn't even get you to serve during October chaos. But the first thing that came to mind was, hey, you know what? There's, some, there's a generation of young people right now that need a generation of older people to believe in them. To say, we're here for you. To show up, to blow up, to be there. Last Thursday night, I made a horrible mistake. I sat in a circle of seventh grade boys. 
And I, I've been to the circus. And I've watched people with whips and chairs try to tame tigers and lions. And those guys are cowards comparing to Jordan, who sat in that circle and loved on those kids. And they had 20 minutes to make one video, to do whatever, to get this together and do that. And everybody had an idea simultaneously and talked with great passion about how the other one was not right and how they were right. And Jordan just sat there. And occasionally he'd just wisely step in and say, you guys remember the assignment? <laughs> it was like somebody threw a, a fox in the hen house. <laughs> Turkey house. Sorry, I can't do a chicken, evidently. So, I mean, so what if we did this? And they would, and then one guy got out you know, candy corns and starts throwing them at people. And hey, put the candy corns down. We're creating. I'm like, we are? It's like chaos, right? But in 20 minutes, a team of seventh grade boys, expertly led by an adult man who cares for every one of those students, had come up with a video concept. I got to play a starring role. It was 40 years into the future. And I was in pain because I'd been injured at October Chaos in 2022. And I did this. That was my entire acting thing. I, I wanted a stunt double. They said no. And the thought bubble comes up and the heart music, you know. I'm just saying this, guys, hear me. Can you make it? Can you change the whole world? I don't know. Some people will. Abraham Lincoln's, the Washingtons. But I, I know this there's a room full of kids, both elementary all the way through. Sister Babe is not here. Nursery too, do we know? Do we have childcare? Josh, you nod your head? Okay. Yeah, for chaos. So Thursday nights, you want to change the world? Invest a month. Four Thursday nights. Be assigned to a team. Be there. We've got Pastor Paul Dietzel. How many of you guys remember Paul Dietzel? Pastor Paul used to be our children's pastor years ago. Children's evangelist, senior pastor now. Doing a fabulous job. And he comes in sometimes for special occasions. So every Thursday night in October for our elementary kids, Pastor Paul Dietzel, he escapes straight jackets. He does black light velvet paintings of Elvis upside down that turn into Jesus. Like it's, the guy's amazing. He, he can break handcuffs. But the best thing he does is he holds everybody's attention and those kids come to Jesus. How many guys would like to see some children meet Jesus Christ? Okay. So that, that's what this is. So, and, and again, you're like, well, that's not my thing. I get it. I'm too busy. I understand. Kids don't like me. I... But please, just, just let me just warn you just a little bit. It's a warning, but it's, it's not a warning. I warn you about judgment. No, I, I warn you about missing something really beautiful that can happen, that you can be a part of, or something that won't happen if you're not a part of. And that's simply this. I think the priest and the Levite had a lot of good excuses. They were probably busy. They weren't medics. They didn't know if he was a Gentile, if he was a Samaritan. If it was, they'd be unclean for having touched them. I can imagine. I don't want to work with junior high schoolers. What? They're weird. They're scary. They're like, oh, I... Amen. But in your life and in mine, there's five people that we can name that change their lives. And I'm not saying if you do this, you'll be one of their five people. But I'm saying this, if you don't, you won't. And all of those kids need somebody like you. All of them. All of them. So Father, I thank you. As we're traveling down our road, we are going to find needs that break our heart. Not every need's our need. I can't imagine, though, that there isn't a need for all of us right now, something that moves us, something that are, where compassion moves us, where our guts churn, where I know some of us are mourning, some of us are in the middle of economic issues, marital issues, home issues. I'm, I'm not suggesting that every person needs to be here Thursday night, but I am saying this, God. I do believe that there are people that just needed a push. They just needed a nudge. They just needed a, a conversation. And if it's not these kids, then what is it? 
but there's nothing else, these kids will be here. And so we need to be ready for them, God. If they come to a church that's not ready for them, what does that say about your church? What would they believe about your people? What would they believe about this place if it's not ready for them? So God, if we're not ready for them, they're going to be ready for us. But we really want to be ready for them. So you're moving hearts right now about this so you're not. And I, I don't have to push any further, but you're moving hearts about this so you're not. You're moving hearts right now about this or you're not. No guilt, no shame. But there is an opportunity. So Father, today we pray. Open our eyes to the opportunities. Last thing before you leave, can I just say this? If you're not right with God, I, is it possible that Jesus is the good Samaritan in this? parable? You ever thought of that? Is it possible that it's us laying by the side of the road helpless? And someone whom the Muslims would say is, is bad, someone whom the secularists, the atheists would say is wrong, someone that, you know what I mean? Even, even the Jews would look at Jesus and say, well, good man, prophet maybe, but not Messiah. There weren't many people, and still to this day, there aren't a vast majority of people that look at Jesus as who he really is. But who he really is is someone who took his time, took his wealth, wrist and gave his life so that those this morning who are laying by the side of the road, helpless, hurt, abused, left, abandoned, will be picked up, bandaged, forgiven, and the process of wholeness would begin. It wasn't just his physical wounds that needed healing, was it? How would that man ever trust humanity again after what he'd been through? Jesus, you're the one. Grace and mercy, grace and truth, grace and love. So Father, today I pray if there's anybody here today that they're like, man, I'll just be honest with you. I am I'm laying by the side of the road and I've been beat in a way I've never been beat and I need someone to stop. Thanks for bringing him to church today, God. And there's something that we can do, but... The greatest need is not something any man can do. I pray that right now you'd open our hearts and minds to the saviorness of Jesus Christ. You came to this earth, lived a sinless life, beat everything that beat us, died in our place, defeated everything by raising from the dead, and now offers life that begins today but has no ending. Holy Spirit, work in our hearts, the work that only you can do now. If you're here today and you're like, Jim, I want that, man. I'll be honest with you. I've been beaten left by the side of the road. That's what it feels like. And maybe you're an up and outer. Maybe there's $10 million in your bank account. Doesn't, money isn't what made this guy beat or not beat. Getting beat is what made him beat. If life's not working. God seems a million miles away. It's time to expose the lie and bring in the Savior to your life. Jesus, today, here is my life. Here is my life. Here is my life. Do it right now. Come on, Jesus, here is my life. Here's my wounds. Here's my pain. Here's my fears. Here's my doubts. Here's my unforgiveness. I can't forgive them for what they did to me. I can't forgive myself for putting myself in that position. No, just let mercy win every argument now, God. Let mercy win every debate, every battle inside of our hearts. Let mercy win your mercy. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. Father, I pray freedom over your house today, freedom over your children today, freedom over those you're adopting at this moment today. Freedom, 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 freedom. 
Let this place be known as a center of freedom, God, a center of freedom in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. So we're going to do something in dismissal. It's 10.08. Go anytime you want. I'm only six minutes over according to that clock. I don't know who sets it, but God bless you for giving me two extra minutes. Um, stand to your feet, please. Nobody leave. If you're going to get your kids, but you go get your kids with somebody else. That's what I want you to say to that person. On the way out the door, by the way, if you want to be a part of Thursday nights, FCA is waiting for you. That's where Dina is, right? Right outside those doors. Sign up. We'll get you figured out. I'll be here. You'll be here. Dina will be here. We won't be lost. We won't be scared. We won't put you in water over your head. We're going to make sure you're a blessing. If you, I'm not a kid person. Then make snacks. I, I don't like kids. Then be security. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, whatever. We, we need you, right? But as you walk that way, sign up. Be a part of it. The other thing is this. Tell somebody who needs you. Like, there's something, I, I thought about it, I, I, but tell somebody. I think if I was to do anything in the world today that would change the world, I, I think these people need me. I think this cause, I think this place. Say it out loud, will you? Say amen if you will. If not, I'll keep preaching. Amen. All right. Live long and prosper. God bless you. You are dismissed. Prayer workers, if you need prayer, come forward. We only need a few today. But just talk about it on your way. Talk about it as you go down the road. I think, I think this is where I'm needed. I think this is where I'm needed. Everybody's needed somewhere.